The year 2020 sure is interesting, isn't it? You know, we thought it would be an interesting year just for our family without the coronavirus, of course. Uh, we have three kids that are graduating from college this year. And no, Amy didn't have three kids all in the same year. I think our children conspired to all graduate together in the same year because they know that college graduations and high school graduation ceremonies can sometimes be long. And now I love, I love graduation ceremonies when they call my kid's name, you know? When they call my kid's name, maybe you're like me and, and you're thinking, hey, can everyone just stop for about five minutes here and let them applaud my kids? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if they could do that? Of course, that would make ceremony the ceremony a lot longer than it already is. You know, the longest part about a graduation ceremony is the walking across the stage, the passing out of the diplomas, the shaking of hands across the stage and all of that. But when I graduated from college, it wasn't like that because I went to a very small school. I went to Criswell College in Dallas. You may have never heard of it. It's a small school mainly for preachers and pastors and evangelists and counselors and that type of thing. And I think that we had about 60 people graduate my senior year. And so the walking across the stage did not take much time at all. But what really took a lot of time was the sermon. Now the sermon that day, I remember it to this day, uh, mainly because it was an excellent sermon, but also because of its length. The sermon was over an hour long. It was brought by Dr. Jerry Vines and he preached on Hebrews chapter two, verse 10, bringing many sons to glory. And it was an absolutely incredible, flawless, perfect sermon. And uh, it, was, it was just a, a blessing to all of us preacher boys, you know, that wanted to hear some really good preaching after sitting through professors giving lectures in chapel for such a long time. And uh, we, we made it through the graduation ceremony. And after the ceremony, we all went back to my parents' house, my extended family went back to my parents' house. And before we passed out refreshments and did all of that type of thing, I asked for just a moment of their time because I wanted to tell them about Jesus. Now, I know they, they had just heard a real long sermon, but they may have tuned them out. We know how that can go with sermons. But I wanted them to know my heart, that I cared about them, I loved them, and I wanted them to know about Jesus. And so I told them that Jesus was the Son of God who died on a cross for their sins, who was buried in a grave and raised from the tomb and ascended to heaven. And all of this was done so we could have God's forgiveness, we could have a relationship with God, we could have eternal life with God. And all that they and you and me have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. And so that was my message to my extended family. But the question is why? Why did I take the time to briefly share the gospel message with my extended family? Well, I hope you know the reason why. It's because I care about them. I cared about them then, I care about them today. And I wanted to give them every opportunity to have a relationship with God. And so some of them do have that relationship and they've been going to church for many years very faithfully and others are not believers in the Lord. And that's between them and the Lord, but I cared enough about them to tell them about Jesus. 
And I want to talk to you today about the people in your world, because I believe that you have people in your world that need to know about Jesus. And I believe that you care enough about them to tell them about Jesus. I believe that about you. And so the people that are in your world are probably not the people that are in my world. You see, the people that come into your world, some of them are there for a very long time. Some of them are there for years and decades, such as your spouse or your kids. They're there in your world and you care much about them. Others come into your world, they come into your sphere of influence very briefly, and then they leave. But God brings them there for a time, and maybe he brings them there for a time so that you and I can share Jesus with them, so that we can point them to Jesus. But like I said, the people in your world may not be the people in my world. And so you have a unique opportunity to bring people to Jesus. And I'm asking you this question today. Do you have enough care and love in your heart to have the spirit of Andrew? Let me explain. People with the spirit of Andrew, they do one thing. They bring people in their world to Jesus. That's it. That's what they do. They bring people in their world to Jesus. And I believe that you have the spirit of Andrew. Now, who's this guy, Andrew, that I'm talking about? Well, he's Andrew in the Bible. And if you do have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter one. And this is the first place that we run across Andrew. And Andrew does something really incredible. He brings his brother, Peter, to Jesus. John chapter one, verse 35, here's what we read. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus, that's John the Baptist, and he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they turned and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and he said to them, who do you seek? And, he, and they said to him, rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? Jesus said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, it's about 4 p.m., a little bit too late to go back and walk all the way home to another village. So they stayed with Jesus the rest of that day. Verse 40, one of the two that heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought Peter to Jesus. He brought Peter to Jesus. And everything else, as Paul Harvey would say, was the rest of the story. Now you and I, we know about Peter. We know that Peter was the leader of the apostles. He became the leader of the church. We know that Peter was this man who wrote two books in our New Testament, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, both bearing his name. And so we, we know that Peter became quite a leader in the church. But you know, Andrew didn't know that at the time. In fact, Andrew never became the leader that Peter became. Andrew just knew one thing. I care enough about my brother to bring him to Jesus. And so I'm asking you that same question. Do you care enough about the people in your world to bring them 
to Jesus. You might, you might never know what kind of things that God will do in their lives. And you might think, well, you know what? I'm not that important. I'm not that big of a deal. I'm not some type of big superstar for Jesus. I'm just little old me. But listen, here's what I want you to understand. You are very important. We don't know much about Andrew, but we know this. He brought Peter to Jesus. He brought Peter to Jesus. You see, without Andrew, there would be no stories about Peter and Jesus. Andrew was so important. And you never know the kind of impact that you're going to have bringing the people in your world to Jesus. But Andrew didn't stop there. Andrew brought a boy to Jesus later in John's gospel. Look at that, John chapter six. John chapter six. This is the story, the incredible story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we know that the 5,000 wasn't just 5,000 people, but it was just 5,000 men. The women and the children were not even included in that count. And so there were likely 15 to 20,000 people there on that hillside when Jesus fed them. But here's what the story says. In John chapter six, beginning in verse five, it says, therefore Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This Jesus was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive even a little. What's a denarii? A denarii is how much a farmhand would make in one single day. Philip said to Jesus, if we had 200 day laborers worth of wages and we spent all of that money on bread, it still couldn't feed this crowd. This is just too much, Jesus. What are we gonna do? But then Andrew stepped in. Verse eight, one of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? I don't know if Andrew in his heart really believed that Jesus could do a miracle or if Andrew was sort of making a joke, like, hey, Jesus, I've got the solution. This kid has five loaves and two fish. Andrew knew that five loaves and two fish could feed maybe 20 people, not 20,000. We got, we got a long way to go. But Andrew did this. He brought this kid to Jesus. And you know the rest of the story. Jesus was able to take that kid's offering and do some incredible things with it. You see, what that kid brought to Jesus wasn't nearly enough, but it was enough for Jesus. Jesus took what that little bit of that kid's offering was and he multiplied it and he fed the multitudes and there was an abundance left over. You see, if Andrew had not brought that kid to Jesus, there would have been no feeding of the 5,000 and that kid would not have even been able to give an offering. Jesus was able to bless thousands of people because Andrew 
brought the kid to Jesus. And even today, people continue to put their faith and their trust in Jesus. They believe Jesus to be able to do miracles for them. And they're correct because way back when, Andrew brought this kid to Jesus. Let me ask you a question again about the people in your world. Do you want to see them bring Jesus an offering, even a little something? Do you want to see that free will offering coming from them where they would say, here, Jesus, do what you can with me? Would you like to see people in your world have that attitude? Would you like to see people be able to bring their little bit to Jesus and he turns it into a blessing that blesses thousands of people. If you want to see it, then you got to bring the people in your world to Jesus. Do you want to see the people in your world begin to trust Jesus to do miracles for them? Then you've got to bring them to Jesus. But Andrew wasn't finished. He brought his brother, Simon Peter, to Jesus. He brought this kid with a few loaves and fishes to Jesus. And finally, he brought some strangers to Jesus. Turn over to John chapter 12. We almost pass by this quickly when we, when we read it because it doesn't seem to be that important, but it was important. John chapter 12, verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks. These are, these are internationals. These are people that are very much unlike Jesus and his disciples. There were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who is from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Wouldn't that be incredible if someone came up to us, came up to me and said, Sir, I wish to see Jesus. Now, when this happened for Philip, what do you think Philip did? If you didn't already know the story, you'd think, well, Philip took them to see Jesus, but that's not what he did. Verse 22, Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. You see, Philip was a little bit hesitant to tell the people that had just then come into his world about Jesus, but Andrew wasn't. Maybe Andrew remembered back to Simon Peter, his brother. Maybe Andrew remembered back to the kid with the five loaves and two fish. But here Andrew quickly shared Jesus with this other crowd, with this group that wanted to worship Jesus. Listen, there are people in your world that need to know about Jesus. And it's your responsibility, really, it's your opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Now, if you are a member of Broadview Baptist Church, then you probably received a card like this in the mail this week. I hope that you received it. If not, I'm gonna put an image of this on the screen. And this card on one side, it says eight to 15. There are eight to 15 people in your world that I want you to think about, that I'm gonna ask you in a minute to list on the other side of this card. And it says the world is smaller than you think. Jesus never asked you to save 7 billion people on this earth. In fact, it's not your responsibility to save anybody. It's simply your responsibility to bring the people in your world to Jesus 
the best that you can. And I want to help you do that with the help of this uh, tool, with the help of this card. There's eight to 15 people. There's, there's five simple steps that we'll get to on the back of this card. And then there's one powerful reality, which is this, that 95% of the people who believe in Jesus were brought to Jesus by someone in their world, in their sphere of influence. The Greek word is oikos. Someone in their oikos. I want you to flip this card over to this side where it says up in the corner, oikos. Again, that means your world, your sphere of influence, the people that you know. And the people that you know may include your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your schoolmates. It might be your relatives. It might be someone else, a hairdresser. It might be who, who knows who in your world. Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus' instructions in that day in Mark chapter five are still his instructions to us today. Go tell people about the Lord. Tell them your story. Tell them what, they've, what Jesus has done for you. Now here's these uh, list of steps over on the left-hand side. Step number one, list. List the people in your world. List your oikos. List about eight to 15 people people that you have developed a relationship with or you are developing a relationship with or these are people with whom you need to make an investment of your life. And you're going to list them over on the right-hand side. And there's four categories here. The first category is pre-Christians. These are people that don't know the Lord yet. They don't know the Lord yet, but we're trusting God to save them. And there's a space there for up to four people in your world who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus. Can you think of some people like that in your world? Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, like I have, maybe it's sort of hard to think of people that are real close to you that, that don't already know the Lord. You know, the longer we know the Lord, the more we hang around other people who know the Lord. And so that's natural. But there's still people in your world that as far as you know, don't know the Lord. Maybe the person you get donuts from. Maybe it's the person that's your hairdresser. Maybe it's, maybe it's a child or a grandchild that you can begin to pray for, but I want you to put their name down. A second group is prodigals. You know the story of the prodigal son, the one who ran away from his godly loving father who eventually came back. There may be some prodigals in, in your life that you know that need to come back to God. These are believers who are not actively pursuing their faith. They've stopped going to church. They've stopped pursuing God. They've stopped any pretense of even trying to pretend like they believe in the, in the Lord or have an active faith. These are people that are running from God and maybe God needs to get their attention. Would you write their names down there? This may be someone uh, close to you. It may be someone not so close to you, but it's someone in your world. Would you write their name down? Next is a group of purposefuls. That's sort of a strange word, but these are believers who actively pursue their faith. These are people you look up to as Christians. It might be a Sunday school teacher or someone else at church, but these are people who actively pursue their faith. They already know the Lord, but they're still a part of your world. And I want you to list a few there. And finally, 
potentials. What are potentials? These are people that they keep showing up in your life here and there. And all of a sudden you, you see them at the store, you see them somehow in your life and they're, they're sort of new to your life. Maybe this is a potential divine encounter that God is setting up between you and them. And so anyone like that, put their name there. Now, once you have your list, and it's going to take you longer than just this message to come up with your list, I'm sure. But once you have your list, I want you to begin to pray. Pray daily for the people on this list. Pray for them by name. Pray for them by their needs as well, as far as you know. And so pray daily for every single person in your oikos. Pray that they would sense God's presence in their lives, that God's kingdom would come to them and God would make himself known to them today. Step three is invest. Invest in your oikos, in your world, in these people that you list. Watch for appropriate ways to be God's instrument. When you're praying for someone and then you encounter them, listen closely to the Spirit of God. He might guide you and help you to say the right thing at the right time for them. In step four, invite them to church. Now, this is tricky right now because we're all suffering the consequences of this coronavirus pandemic. However, you can still invite them to your church online if we're not meeting in person. But as soon as we get back to meeting in person, make sure that you invite them to church. And let me, uh, let me just encourage you in this matter as well. When you invite someone to church, make sure that they know that you'll take them out to lunch afterwards or you'll fix them lunch afterwards. And uh, that way they get a meal out of it. And so uh, the vast majority of people that come to church are people that are invited by their friends, by the people in their oikos. And that's even more true, of course, as we've just learned about coming to the Lord. And finally, step five, prepare. Prepare to become a better example of faith in Christ, as well as a more effective witness of God's grace. How do you prepare? You prepare by reading your Bible daily, by praying daily, praying for them, and by attending church in whatever form we can do it as often as you can. So keep close to the Lord. Jesus said that the Father draws all men to himself. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I hope that you are thinking about the people in your world that need to stay in touch with Jesus or maybe meet him for the very first time. Again, if I can be of any assistance to you, contact me at David at broadviewchurch.com. I would love to hear your story. I would love to join you in prayer for the people in your world.